0: and welcome to everyday linux episode 50 the whole tablet thing recorded april 29th 2012 and brought to you by element op productions element op.com this week we put our collective brains together and help seth find the tablet of his dreams sort of Uh, And in order to do that, the brains involved, uh, beginning with the top of my screen down, not that you care because you can't see it, but I'm doing it anyway, Mr. Aaron Butler, the former fat guy, also known as the noob in residence. Hey, Aaron. Hello. How are things in the new Aaron abode?
1: I am extremely happy with, uh, in case if you don't know what Mark's talking about, we moved this weekend to our new home that we purchased I am in the what I affectionately call the PodPod Pod Annex 3.0 beta. So this computer has been set up for about 30 minutes now. <laughs> Just fresh out of the boxes and everything else. Got a new monitor and got everything kind of configured and uh, have my webcam clamped to the handle of a, of a lead shot mallet so nice. I can get it in the right position. So we're doing good.
0: All right. How about you, Chris, Mr. Command Line Godfather Neves? What's going on with you?
2: Oh, not a whole heck of a lot other than the usual working too darn much.
0: <laughs> and what is too darn much for you? Four days a week? Is that too much? Well,
2: no, it's, it's like seven and a half this week, it feels oh, like. Okay. Um, Friday, I pulled, a, I think it was 15 hours straight. It was a long Friday.
0: You know, and what I've realized in all the years that I've been doing this is that when you work hard, work overtime, work weekends, nobody cares. But uh, you come in four minutes late one day, everybody cares about that.
2: Oh, yeah. Well, this was actually not my main job, but my home business was added into that. So it was eight hours at the, the nine to five job, and then I worked until I think 10 o'clock in the evening at my home business shop out on site, though.
0: Ah, uh, nice. All right. And also no. with this, the, 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 Last corner of our rectangle or something, insert something much more witty there. Uh, gooey it, kid for the block. Mr. Sam Anderson, the gooey kid. <laughs> he said,
3: yeah. Hello. I was going to comment on Chris that doing a good job around here is like wetting your pants in a dark suit. You get a warm feeling, but nobody notices. So
0: that's my uh, witty <laughs> fan. <family. laughs> That's my witty banter for the week. Oh, uh, that was good. And uh, yeah. once I get your raw audio and actually hear what you said, uh, yeah. it'll be even better.
1: <laughs> but let me, let me jump in, Mark, and just go ahead and tell my, my quick story that I have in, in the warm oven anyone. This weekend, I, as I just mentioned, we moved into our new house, and part of that was installing all new appliances in the kitchen. And I've done a little bit of that. You know, I've done a little bit of just about everything. So, but I, I you know, most of you probably know when you buy an oven, it doesn't come with a power cord. You know, it comes sans power cord, and you have to buy the right one with the right kind of plug for whatever your wall has. Well, we were taking the old oven that was broken out, so I had the right kind of power cord. That was, you know, that was a no-brainer. I can use this one. It's nothing wrong with it. So I lay down on the ground behind the oven, and I pull the cover off, and there's a red and a white and a black. And I grab the power cord to put on it, and there's not a single marking at all on the cable. It's all there's all three gray, and there's no red, there's no white, there's no black. I kind of suspect that one of them is the ground, but I'm not sure for, you know, because I can't tell because it's not like a regular plug. They're all angular. And right. so I was like, okay, I'll call my friend Bob because Bob knows everything about just about everything. So I call Bob and unfortunately, which leads to my next little anecdote, uh, my new house, the one negative about it is it has horrible cell service. So I'm laying there in the kitchen floor with Bob on the phone. And I say, Bob, and I tell him the situation. He says, okay, but the grand wire and then you, you should be fine. I was like, what was that, Bob? <laughs> he said, the red's the hot. And then you uh, plug it in. Make sure you you should be okay. I said, one more time. <laughs> I said that the ground... I, up, I, you, all right. Hang on. I'm walking outside. <laughs> so I walked outside. And he said, the ground wire should not be insulated. It's going to be the skinny one. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. And just make sure you put that one on the white. Okay, great. You know, But it was so funny because every time I could hear... And then you... Uh, You should be okay, (laughs) right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was having a conversation uh, between rooms with my sister-in-law today, and uh, she said, uh, "Tunisia." I I, 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 said, "I'm sorry. What'd you say? Tunisia near near Africa or near Egypt?" I I said, "Okay. Well, I heard Tunisia, but I have no context." Well, Tunisia. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. You're correct. (laughs) It was Tunisia. Mm I still to this day don't know what she was talking about. But that's how <laughs> it always works, right? You you hear like the last word or or one word, and that's the one they repeat.
1: The same one over yep. and over and over. Yeah. The one they emphasize.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bacon.
1: You know, that that. So, <laughs> so while, Bacon while we're talking yummy. about real quick about the cell phone thing, and this is a technology show. I have a really cool piece of technology sitting next to me here on my desk. I can probably pick it up and put it where you can see it. Let's see here. Okay. I recognize that? Wi Fi yeah. router? No, you might think that's what it is. It's actually a Verizon network extender. So uh it, it is a my own little personal cell phone tower. Cool. Yep. And uh yeah. you, it's got a little antenna that picks up my cell phone, gives me four or five bars in my house, and then connects to my broadband uh and converts my wi fi my radio, my uh what's that thing called cell phone to <laughs> broadband using my broadband to actually connect back to the Verizon network.
0: So So what happens if you're on the phone phone and you walk out, uh, does it seamlessly connect to a new cell tower?
1: It's just like any other time. It does the handoff and everything just like normal.
0: Cool. Now, does it connect
3: to the network? Is it one of those where it amplifies the wireless network or does it do it through your cable
2: modem?
1: Yeah, This is actually a, they call it a network extender. It's not just a, a signal booster. This actually takes my, I mean, every cell tower in the area could be down and I could still get on the Verizon network. Because it actually um, takes my cell phone, it, my, my cell phone connects to this unit, and then it converts it to to broadband and goes through my cable modem.
0: g Duncan uh, in the chat room asks, are they still charging you for airtime minutes when you're using it? it the, they don't charge you anything additional, but you
1: use your minutes just like normal. Because it's not, I guess, technically, otherwise you could get one of these and have unlimited minutes. Right. Which would be great for anybody. But I have practically unlimited minutes anyway for the amount of minutes I use. Right. Um and uh the one thing that one caveat, you, you can't see it in the back right now because I've got kind of hidden. But uh you have to have the GPS antenna at the window because every cell tower has to have a GPS um on it, the cell tower itself, so that it knows the location and knows how to, which which tower is closest to pass off to and all those kind of things. So at one of my little blinking lights that you saw on my when I held up the blue LEDs, one of them is GPS. It has to have a GPS connection. So, uh, but it came, it's nice. It came with a 30 foot cable for the GPS. And did they make you pay for that? No, that's part of it. i pay for the device. Yes. Absolutely. You have to pay for the device.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Of
1: course.
0: $249.99. So that you can use the service that you're already paying 80 bucks a month for.
1: Right. But the, the, but the thing is I really went both ways. I could, I could get a landline for $15 a month for the next 30 years. Or I could pay this one time and be done with it. Yeah. You know, And you I, know. You know, I don't have all the hassles of uh, passing a landline, uh, trying to get Google Voice and transfer, You know, use give that number to everybody and have it ring my cell phone and my home phone if I'm home, I enter the home, all that kind of craziness. I just, I plunk the 250 bucks down and I'm extremely happy.
3: Now, is your cable internet, is that metered or do you have True Unlimited? I have Unlimited. Okay. Yeah. And it's
1: not going to be enough data to to make a difference anyway. I yeah. mean, compared to the gigs of data that you use on a regular, like doing the show right now. <laughs> right. I was
2: just going <laughs> to say, for the shows you do uh, twice a week, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: The only reason I have a home phone is because it's run through my cable internet, and it's only like twenty dollars more a month, but otherwise, I wouldn't even have a home phone. The only people who use it are salesmen and yeah. uh, you know bill collectors calling for people who don't live here. Every I have, every okay, day, so, at least once a day, every day I get a call from somebody who for somebody who doesn't live here, and they will say, "If you are not the person, call this number." But actually, the first thing they say is, if you're not the person, hang up now. And then after they say that, if you don't want to receive any more of these, call this number. Well, if I followed your first instruction, I'll never hear the second instruction.
1: Yeah. Clever. Yeah. I haven't had a home cell phone for, home cell phone, a home phone landline for probably nine years, eight or nine years. So, don't plan on getting one.
0: (laughs) And Chris is just totally the other way around. He has only a home phone, no cell phone.
2: But I do have a Skype in and out.
0: There you go. Skype out is a pretty cool thing, so I hear. With a a number. So on the way home from uh, work on Friday, I said, you know, it's been too long since I subjected a large chunk of dead animal to burning uh, wood embers. Uh, And so I decided I was going to smoke some meat. So I called my wife up and said, I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to buy a couple of racks of St. Louis style ribs and I'll I'll put them in the brine tonight and we'll have those um tomorrow and she said well why don't you go ahead and get a turkey and we can smoke that and have that for lunch on Sunday and I said I like the way you think woman um, <laughs> They didn't actually have a turkey because apparently, unless it's Thanksgiving or Easter, stores don't carry turkeys. Who knew? Well, they have to save them up because we kill them all. Yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> that it's like Christmas
1: trees are growing a new crop right now.
0: <laughs> so I, I had to get a couple of uh, chickens instead. And I've never, I've roasted a couple or smoked a couple of turkeys, but I've never done a small, like five pound chicken. Uh, So I I just tried that today, did it uh, over some hickory smoke at 225 for about six hours, and it was like butter. It was unbelievable how good this was. Um, You know, and you worry about drying things out, and that's good for you. And that's why I brine things ahead of time. I literally had like a quarter of an inch of liquid in the pan that I used to carve the the things, and they were incredibly juicy and delicious and moist and wonderful Mm -hmm. and and cheap. It was of uh, ten dollars and i fed five people when we have leftovers no i fed seven people because the in-laws came over and we have leftovers so um yeah it's just it's just i love i love smoking i'm a smoking fool
1: damn you mark and it was good for you too mark yes well and much you know, better than fried chicken
0: absolutely yeah yeah we looked that up in my little calorie app and i had two two thighs and a leg uh, which is, you know, like the fattiest, worst part of the, the chicken. But because they were a small chicken, it was a small portion. And the whole meal was, you know, 600 calories or something, which for, yeah. you know, for a big meal, including pasta salad and mashed potatoes was not much at all.
1: You could have had that wow, or good. a sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit from McDonald's. Right, or
0: or half a Big Mac. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, I think we're done. Aaron, you have your tickets. I have my tickets for the 9.55. For the 55. Avengers,
1: of 3d showing of the Avengers on Friday. Cool. Most people, normal people will be at work, but I've taken that day off so I can <laughs> go see the movie at one. Of the, I'm not going to go to the midnight showing cause that's where all the crazy people will be.
0: <laughs> not you. Certainly.
1: <laughs> well, I, mostly just cause it'll be crowded and I want to have an enjoyable experience and I have to get there four hours earlier to get the, a good seat. So I'm thinking the 9:55 showing is actually the second showing of the day uh, will be sufficiently, not too crowded that I can get there, say, 830, something like that, or 845, and and uh, only have an hour to sit around and maybe not be any crowded at all. I don't have any idea. I don't know how many other crazy people there are.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I saw a preview for that with my uh, with my brother-in-law when he was over, and uh, he was like, I, I may have to go see that. And I said, I know a friend who, like a month and a half ago, took that day off of work and yep. is already planning on on being there.
1: I have about four standing invitations from other people who want to go see it with me. <laughs> I guess so I can give them all the, the ins and outs of it. Aaron, I want to go see the Avengers. When are we going to go see it? I said, you tell me when and I'll be there. That's awesome. Up to and including days of work.
0: <laughs> I saw a great YouTube video of, it was, uh, they took all the cheesy 70s superhero things and mashed yeah. them together to make a new Avengers thing. Uh, and it was hilarious. I don't know why Kiss was in there. but yeah. but
1: yeah, not the, have a villain. Yeah, it was uh,
0: uh, Kiss from the what was something the the, Kiss the, movie. the something about something the circus, the, the uh, amusement park, or something like that? It was yeah. Something the circus. It was, yeah, was that it, yeah,
1: yeah, circus.
0: I loved circus. that movie when I was a kid. It was awesome. But Iron Man made me laugh. He looked like, uh, like, like Gumby, or it was like <laughs> it was. Like, I don't know what that was. Yeah, it was. Uh, what was that show um, that my kids like so much? Um, th- where they sing the stupid songs? Not uh, the Doodle Bops. The the B tubbies. Huh? No. Tele-tubbies. no not that's, teletubbies. that's not what i'm thinking of i'm thinking of of uh but has the hippie the the dj guy with the big fro dj oh, lance um, uh i'm <sighs> blanking on the name but anyway it reminded me of one of those characters uh frogo or gobo or dj something max like that. guy yeah he, he's the big dude. yo gabba gabba Yo Gabba Gabba, that's the one. And the Iron the Iron Man costume that he was wearing reminded me of one of the characters on Yo Gabba Gabba. So The robot. Google that (laughs) on YouTube and you'll love it. It's awesome. It's pretty funny. Oh.
1: I bet you the one Friday that'll be better. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Maybe, well,
1: let's hope It's so. already it's already broken um, the box office record in every country that it's released in.
0: Yeah, and and probably broken a lot of pre sales records here in the U.S.
1: And it's sold it's more pre sales than all other Marvel movies combined.
2: Yeah,
0: that's cool. Wow, they've
2: had a few surprises popular you, ones. Then you need to go back to the movie theater yeah. once in a while.
0: And uh, so when it comes out on DVD, I'm sure I'll enjoy it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that makes two of us, Mark. For our first news item, there's a new version of Untangle released. And at least two people on this panel are good big fans of Untangle. Uh, I'm assuming you put that in there, Chris. Tell us about it. Actually, I, I put, put that, in that in there. Oh, Seth <laughs> did. Oh, wow. I yeah, love Untangle. And I just wanted to
3: tell everybody, our millions and millions of EDL followers, that there's a new version of Untangle. And if you want a firewall in your house... This would be a great thing to run. So anyway, it's new released and
0: it's fresh. Yeah, mine has probably already updated. I have it checked to auto update, which has bitten me in the butt only once. Uh but most me of the too. time, it's fine. Yeah, the this most recent or one of the recent, I don't I, I don't since I don't check it. I don't know how often it updates, but one of the updates wiped out all my configs. So I had to go back and rebuild yep. all the the pass lists and block lists from scratch, and I'm still still working on that because it takes months to do that.
2: See my when when we got bit by it, it was based on the rules because we have a, we had a whole ton of rules in there for pa, you know, ports allowed and stuff like that, and it totally we we got blacklisted for weeks. Oh, it was a mess. Hopefully this time it doesn't. Uh, Blacklist or or mess mess with rules or anything anymore.
0: All right. And thanks to our our resident news hound, we have lots of good Linux news again this week, Uh, starting with the fact that the Linux Foundation is getting some high-profile additions. (laughs) Uh, yes, in uh,
3: Japan's com- LinuxCon Japan, the Linux Foundation announced uh, that five companies, five new companies, have joined the organization. One of the big ones that people have probably heard of is Kenwood, uh, and then there are several others in the list with Japanese-sounding names. I will not try to pronounce. So, uh,
0: <laughs> which that's interesting. Kenwood is known for audio products, you know, home stereo mm-hmm. stuff. So it's right. interesting that they're interested in the Linux Foundation.
3: Yeah. So, you know, the Linux, the Linux Foundation is the beginning of the board collective, maybe. They continue <laughs> to grow.
2: Well, you know, that. what makes me think on that, though, is the Linux kernel has got a little bit higher performance rating when working with audio. So I wonder if that might be why Kenwood is checking them out.
0: Yeah, and maybe they're looking at building some smart devices, you know, or maybe putting uh, Linux or Android on their remote controls or something like that. Yeah, uh, or, or maybe, maybe they'll be even the Pinwood MP3 player. Yeah, that's a possibility. I don't. Do, are people still making standalone MP3 players? That that market seems to be going more toward the mini tablet than yeah, just well, the the unitasker.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, it to me, MP3 player is almost a generic term like Xerox. <laughs> you know <laughs> so uh
0: All that's right. why I use it as most of the time, so also the next one uh is that uh a vmware source code was stolen and posted online that's interesting,
3: yes, um at first, vmware denied that they were hacked, uh, and then the person who hacked them, uh, posted some of the code online. But, um, it's code that dates back like 10 years, and, um, there have been several major releases since then. So it would be kind of like saying that the, uh, Windows NT source right. code had been stolen. You know, there might be some things that, dun, dun, that dun. <laughs> yeah.
0: but, finally you know, the code for Minesweeper on Windows has been released. Yes. Windows for Workgroup Group <laughs> now in the hands of hackers. <laughs> so
3: uh but yeah it's um it was the ESX source code and of course they've been to ESXi and then ESX 3i or i3 or whatever now. So it's a couple of revisions old. And, uh, you know, it could just be them downplaying it. You know, they're like, oh, crap, right. we've got to redo our source code or, you know, maybe it's not that big of a deal.
0: And the, so, the only reason that's of note is not so much that people could steal functionality because there are other things out there. VirtualBox has almost all their functionality in an open source model, but it's that hackers can get a hold of it and make it a lot easier to exploit the Things. And you know, uh, despite what they may say uh, there at, at VMware, that sort of code sticks around for decades. You know, yeah. your your base code, the thing that that things are built on, like you know, Windows Seven still has the the NT f- kernel you're talking about. You know, so right. if that stuff does get get out, it could be a, a, a boondoggle in terms of security.
3: Well, and you Not know, and the the with all of the number, uh,
0: Yes. Or, go ahead, Chris. Yes, boondoggle is the professional term. <laughs> yes, it's. Uh, I got. I learned that at the uh, the Black Hat conference.
3: Oh, okay. I had a
1: hound dog named Boondoggle once.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and so many
3: uh, of websites and even infrastructures are using cloud-based services, and a lot of clouds are massive VM farms. So uh, you know, you might think you're running on this ultra secure platform, but if what that platform is sitting on top of is a security-riddled, you know, bug-filled hole, then it renders your total security not that good.
0: Yeah, that's one of the points I've often made when people talk about VMs being more secure. I don't believe that they are because every VM runs on an operating system at some point. So yeah. you're, you're only as secure as the operating system that that you're sitting on top of. So I've heard people say that you should do your banking or whatever. If you're a tinfoil hat, you should do that in a VM, and and I don't agree with that.
2: No, um, I don't either. Yeah,
0: yeah, because you've added another
3: layer to be attacked, you know. So instead of them only having five points to attack you at, they now have six or seven.
0: Right, and it only takes one chink in the armor. Right. Yep. Uh, okay, and somebody's gonna have to explain to me the uh, the value, the validity, that the reason we care that uh, DRM changes pooling for Linux three point five kernel.
2: I put that one in there. What that is is that they're they're trying to get some of the DRM uh, digital rights management stuff into the Linux 3.5 kernel. Now, if that happens, the the question I raise is if you know the there's the DRM section of the kernel that allows people to control what digital rights go into the kernel. That means they can control what comes out of the kernel as well. So something like Netflix that is DRM ridden would possibly be okay to be played on then because that's part of the reason why netflix won't play on linux is because of the drm
0: all right chris i'm going to stop you there because i'm reading this article for the first time and it says that drm stands for direct rendering manager manager so are we talking about a different drm and did you yourself not read the article
2: i did read the article but (laughs) i might have been reading a different one at the same time (laughs) <laughs> okay, i can't get so, the link that's all right so we'll
0: uh yeah I, I think uh the direct rendering is is uh more about moving uh graphical stuff into the kernel um more than anything else and okay not-
2: then I, I must have misread mi- read the wrong <clears throat> article and linked it to the wrong link to the wrong article because i read one about it was drm not dri yeah, Mom and it, does,
0: it says direct rendering manager. So, yeah, just ignore the last three minutes of this podcast <laughs> um, just as you have the previous <laughs> 20 minutes of this podcast. That's funny. Uh, Mint Debian, now with cinnamon. So, it's now minty cinnamon, minty stuff. Mixing of dessert-like goodness.
2: Something like that. No, I put that in the notes because you know it, we are pushing Linux Mint when everybody, when we have people move to it and Cinnamon is such a nice little flavor of uh, dessert topping, so I figured we might as well put it in there. And it's a nice way of, you know, because cinnamon is like the GNOME 2 base idea, isn't it?
0: Right. It's uh, uh, it's sort of their reinvention of GNOME 2 so that you get you get the, the GNOME 2 you're comfortable with without actually running GNOME 2. It's GNOME 3 based, but it looks and feels like GNOME 2.
3: So it's like how you can, like, with Windows 7, make it look like XP, if you're so (laughs) inclined. Exactly. It's
0: classic (laughs) mode. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, but you can't say
3: classic mode because that's not geeky enough. We have to call it Cinnamon. Uh,
2: So now, but the other question I raised, though, is I know Cinnamon is supposed to be this great idea, and I've heard a lot of great things about it. I have yet not, I personally have not run Cinnamon, but I have tried Mate. Mate. Now, how is this going to play against mate? Or is this the next rendition of mate?
3: Well, well I think you'll that, go to uh, checkmate that, and lose your king. Uh, <laughs> sorry.
0: I think that this is um, uh, Mint's own team has been working on cinnamon. Uh, and the Ubuntu team, well, maybe maybe it was the gnome team. Somebody else was working on mate. So there's like two, uh, two um, answers to the same problem. That's my understanding of it. Take it okay. as you will. But anyway, uh the mint team has really, you know, they started out just being a rebranding of ubuntu. We're going to take ubuntu and make it pretty, but they're really breaking out to doing a lot more stuff and it's becoming uh you know, they are growing up. They're becoming their own distro in their own right other than just a prettified I just made that word up, uh, version of ubuntu.
2: Right. And I I mean we're, and we're still standing behind mint as the our favorite distro, right?
0: I, I like mint. That's my personal favorite, yes. Okay.
3: Yes, pritificated from the chat room. That is our that's an EDL original, you heard it here first. And no, actually uh, I
0: said prettificide. Don't Pritific. Don't, don't misquote me.
3: <laughs> well, I was trying to expand our growing linguistics here <laughs> by adding to it. Um and Kevin in the chat room says that uh from the uh Uh, linux foundation's website linux does play a pivotal role from car electronics to mobile devices to entertainment services and our follow-up comment to our jbc kenwood corporation so thank you kevin whatever in the chat room
0: and uh this was some news that was in the show from last week so it's not really new news but uh gimp 2.8 rc1 that's a nice catchy name. Uh oh, now yeah. has GPU acceleration. I don't know how I feel about that. Um but yeah, it's taking uh some of the the heavy graphic load and moving it off to the GPU instead of uh just doing everything in the CPU. So it's uh it's it's not stable. How would your feelings be ambivalent? Well, I, but it's I think that uh, undefined uh, maybe. No, they're, well, they're, it's moving I, from I think a there's kind of no reason for it. Yeah, yeah, because it's I can see that's fine for Flash, right? Because all it does is video, so you want to you want to take advantage of the GPU for that. But but GIMP does so much, and so much of what it does isn't. Uh, graphic rendering, but just bit management, you know, and and you're you're uh, running filters and you're crunching things. I'm just not really sure that the benefit is worth the inherent instability of moving things back and forth between subsystems.
1: Have you have you uh, ever had any problems editing large files and like panning across a large file? I know I've run into that problem using PaintShop Pro, which is the the cheap version of. Photoshop, you know, it's the $80 version of Photoshop that you can buy for Windows that I've had for years. And if you get a really big file, multi-meg file, and then you just try to like move across it, it'll just move like that.
0: Yeah, I've, I've not really had that issue in GIMP. Uh, generally, it's pretty responsive. But uh, what Roteo is, is saying in the chat room is right, that when you're applying brushes and and, and doing things like that, when you're running a filter, it, it can be slow. And, so, and, and GPUs tend to be the fastest thing on your system. So it's natural to want to tap into that. But the reason that GPUs are so fast is because they're a stripped-down instruction set. They're designed to do just a few things and do them really, really quickly. So when people start shoehorning other code into GPUs, it always makes me a little nervous.
2: Yeah, it it does make me nervous too. But if it do, if they can pull it off, where they can harness the power of the GPU inside of GIMP, that gives harness GIMP a leg the power
1: off. of the GPU. <laughs> Sorry,
2: it just sounded like a bad but, sci-fi movie. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks a lot. Anyway, to the
0: dark side walking will. But be you. but then you run into issues like you know there are some features that are available on this hardware set, but some that aren't available on that one. And I I, yeah. I think it will limit the the touted cross-platform nature of gimp i could be wrong I, I clearly i've never tweaked a single bit of gimp code so i'm talking completely from a a user perspective and not from a developer and i may be entirely wrong but my but gut that's feeling, never stopped us before yeah, it's never stopped me before <laughs> well, my gut just, feeling is that it's a uh, it's something that they're doing without having um, considered all the possible ramifications well, i wonder I if they will be a into gpu the, uh... mode seth what was that I said I wonder if there will be like a GP GPU mode
1: you like can a checkbox
0: you can turn on or off. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was going
1: to say. I, I, I what I would hate to see is um, when you're during your install it's going to be okay. Now we're going to check to see if you can use GPU acceleration. And then it runs through something and half the time it fails and it hangs up and it tries yeah. to do it and your system can't do it so it just crashes and just all those things like that back the in proc- the old OpenGL days,
0: right? The process of loading GIMP is slow enough as it is, especially if you've got a system with a lot of fonts on it. Uh, I would hate to add one more step to that.
2: Yeah, but the other thing that this also brings is the single panel mode. Instead of having the when GIMP launches right now, you have the brushes on one side and the right. the tools on the other, and then you have your your center window is what you're working on. Uh, that this new version is supposed to get rid of that and go to a single mode a single window mode like photoshop
0: and there and there has been so much wailing and gnashing of teeth about that over the years i actually like it better that way
2: i do too i hope there's a way you can turn it back into the old mode where you can have the tools behind the so work the that you're working on
3: well somebody will fork the um project and there will be the one panel gimpers and the two right. panel gimpers and, uh, <laughs>
0: cuz there's there's already tools that do that there's there's gimp shop and my gimp and there are other things like that 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 basically just draw one big window around all those other gimp windows and make it more like a single window interface uh, but, you know, I think this goes back to this rant I've had so many times about, uh, you know, the tabletification of the OS. It, the, everything needs to look uh, full screen and like it should run on a tablet. And I really think this is just another example of falling prey to that. Then again, it could just be that there was much wailing and gnashing of teeth and they finally listened and decided to fix it.
3: Yeah. Well, and remember, we want it to be more like Windows, so we're going to have to make it harder and more complex. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> What I don't and, like about the multiple feel. window thing is how easy it is to remove something and not get it back. Yeah. How do I close my brushes? How do I get them back? You know, th- th- those Reinstall can be... Reinstall little- the application. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Actually, that doesn't work. Reboot. Yeah. You have to remove your .gimp uh, folder and, and then you can restart it. But re- reinstalling doesn't fix anything. Uh, okay. Next one. Um we have the DRM article again. Oh, and, and Chris is super excited about the Nouveau driver uh, for uh, NVIDIA,
2: right? No, no, not really. Not at all, actually. That was actually a much painful thing this week. Um, my system at work is running, well, it was running Fedora and happily running on the the Nouveau driver and then uh, ran an update and the new one came in and. Then I didn't have anything, <laughs> no X Windows, no nothing. So yeah, it was a very painful thing for my. I'm just lucky enough to have the chipsets that always are left behind or are broken when these new drivers come out. So Why I'm we guessing get
1: Obama to start a plan, no chip left behind. <laughs> <laughs> Put well, some money behind it. Arra money.
0: We've actually had two separate requests in the in the forums from somebody to say uh, for us to do a show on what to do when X won't load. How you how do you fix GIMP? Uh, from the command line. We talked about uh, that in our command line episode of how sometimes you got to do that. And so we've been had a couple of qu- requests for the, the exact specifics of how to do that. And frankly, that topic scares me because I think it would be like attending an eight-hour insurance seminar. Yeah. I think it could be pretty dry and boring. But... What you um, do is you put
3: in your puppy CD and run <laughs> part in and then uh, proceed to reload. That's how I would fix it.
2: Well, actually, I could fill that... How about I talk, I'll I'll gloss over that during the command line tip to see at the end, because I just Uh, recovered from it, so I could do a quickie on it.
3: There you go. Well, yeah, but a quickie for you, uh, the command line godfather, (laughs) is like major surgery for us.
2: Yeah. Right, it may be, but at least you get an idea from how to do it.
0: I just want to know that uh, want to let you know that we are listening there in the chat room uh, in the forums. I mean, uh, and we do con- take these things into consideration. It's just sometimes it's hard to take your suggestions and put them into a show that is accessible to the the novice and the expert uh, at the same time and and to make it entertaining and educational. And that's one of those things when you start dealing, uh, because it, it really ends up being just sort of a, a copy and paste this, right? So get yeah. to this command line, type this. Uh, and while that's useful, it, it's more, more uh, fodder for a blog post than, than a show. But we are listening, and we'll work that in. We'll, probably what's going to happen is at some point down the line, we're going to have a series of short, like, five or six, ten-minute things about how to do different things in the command line. And that will be the show. So yeah. we're, we're working on that. All right. I think that's the last of our news. So uh, if you haven't upd- updated to the new NV30, don't. That's what or, Chris has to say.
2: Actually, I would say check and see if your dri- your device is supported by that driver before updating it.
1: Yes. Yes. It's <laughs> called the NV30 because then you envy all the people whose computers still work after you run it.
2: <laughs> I'm, yeah. You must be. Because, man, that I'm just lucky enough that now I have two machines that that particular driver just doesn't like.
3: And it's not the NV30
0: because it takes 30 times to do it right. That <laughs> like well, you know that's how WD40 got its name. The first 39 formulations didn't work. All right. Kind so of- <laughs>
3: what? No, I was gonna do a. I was gonna do an old joke. So we'll just okay. skip right over Don't. that and save it yeah. for later.
0: We, we've we got enough bad jokes already. Uh, so on to the topic. We're, we're, we're going to talk about the whole tablet thing. And you might say, why is that on a Linux show? But let's face it, Linux people use tablets just like everybody else. So um, Seth wanted to say, you know, how, how to help me choose. Uh, he's been sending me links recently about, does this look like a good tablet? And I'll reply back, sure. <laughs> and then he'll send me another one. How about this one? Yeah. And so it's kind of... Uh, so I thought we'd talk uh, just tonight about how to pick a tablet if you've decided you want a tablet uh shuttleworth thinks you need to have a tablet uh balmer thinks you need to have a tablet uh uh jobs thought you needed to have a tablet so let's just say you finally decided you have to have a tablet uh what how do you decide what you're going to buy and so i, I started out with yeah, just smart. a <laughs> <I> started out <laughs> with just a few questions what do you need to do so um seth what do you need to do well
3: i want um, at my previous job, I had an iPhone and I used the uh, MP3 playing capability of that and I would just listen to podcasts while I walked. Uh, that's what I do for exercise I walk or uh, when I'm driving in my car. And so I want something that I can listen to podcasts on that like I could put on an armband or whatever and not carry around like my netbook while I'm walking around my driveway, you know, listening to it. So something more of an, uh, an iPod touch size is kind of what I'm looking for. All
0: right. And since that would not make a show, I'm going to pretend that Seth said I'm looking for a multifunction tablet that I can browse the web with, watch media with uh, and do some productivity stuff. i mean i want to do that other stuff too but uh, if i can't do that
3: if it can't also do what i mentioned then it's not it's not of use
0: for me well in in your case though anything over four inches is too much which means it's not a tablet you want you want a a a very small mp3 player device so we're going to pretend you didn't say that okay otherwise this whole show is wrecked okay
3: so yes, a, a an iPad like device would there be you. awesome. <laughs>
0: awesome. Okay, great. Uh, and so the, the next question then is: you have to ask, what is the most important thing to you? And I listed a few possibilities. Is having hipster approval important to you? It's probably not to our audience, but it is to some people. They want to be cool, uh, and and you know they need to not only the iPad but the the special, the right iPad um, spec. I've Envy, had three. You've had three. iPad 3. iPad 3, yes. That's that's (laughs) not called the iPad 3. So, uh, uh, Spec Envy, are you one of those guys, and that's probably more what this audience is, they want the best processor on the market, the most RAM on the market, the highest megapixel count. They just want to check every box and say, this tablet walks on water. It does everything you could ever want a tablet to do.
2: Until next week.
0: (laughs) Until next week. That's the trouble with Spec Envy, is that you're, you're never going to have... Um, uh, spec envy for long. Uh, so the next thing's price. That's obviously a big one. Uh, <laughs> we were on a network launch by a show called the Tightwad Tech. So, uh, you know, price is often a big one. Weight, size and weight. Do you, does it need to, and that's Seth, uh, that's a big deal for him. Size at this point, size matters, uh, despite what uh, your wife uh, lovingly says to you.
2: <laughs>
0: um, uh, battery life. And that's a big deal, because if you have the spec envy, oftentimes spec envy and battery life are, are polar opposites of each other. Oh, if, yeah. You know,
1: it's the, sides of the corn, baby. Yeah,
0: I'm noticing that with my new phone. I got uh, you know a dual-core 1.6 gigahertz processor in my phone with a giant 4.5-inch super AMOLED screen, and the battery life is terrible. Surprise, surprise.
2: You get, what, four hours out of that battery?
0: um yeah if depending on what i do i mean i I plug it in when i get to work and i leave it plugged in all day so i honestly don't even know anymore it's just so bad but uh, i mean it has done nothing but sit in my holster all day today and i'm about 40 percent battery and i've done nothing i haven't used it haven't made a phone call haven't played a game haven't listened to an mp3 it's just sit there and just in idle mode it's used 60 percent of the battery today wow
2: that's horrible yeah
0: um, okay, so the next thing is uh, the the app and accessory ecosystem. Do you want to plug into something that already is thriving? If not, uh, then then that you know the, the answer to that question d- points you in a certain directions. And is free or proprietary important to you? Do you want an RMS approved tablet or not? Some people care about that. Most people don't. Yep.
3: Yes, I am one who I don't really care about that. Yeah. Well, Seth,
1: have you? Um, and we may you may have this further down the notes. Mark, I've read through them. But I don't I don't remember seeing this. the The new phone they've been touting the phone that's a tablet. The tablet that's a phone. What's the What is it? We talked about on the, the show Note, a couple of weeks
0: ago. The Samsung Galaxy Note.
1: Is that what it is? Yeah. It's like a five and a half inch screen. Right. It's big enough to. It's small enough to still use as a phone.
0: And it's revolutionary because it comes with a stylus. No other smart device has ever had a stylus before. <laughs> when you have a finger the size of mine, having a stylus
3: is a very attractive feature of a I'm phone. I'm not
0: saying that's <laughs> not a problem. I'm saying it's not revolutionary, Samsung. Stop advertising it as if it were.
3: <laughs> nope, G Duncan kidding. in the chat
1: room says the phablet, the phablet. with a pH. <laughs> the phone that's versus the tablet. Yeah, that's what yep.
0: Leo Laporte calls it the phablet.
1: Oh, I do listen to Leo, I listen to the Element OP.
0: podcast much better network yes uh okay so i'm just going to run down the list of you know some of the top devices ipad yeah i know this is a linux podcast but linux people use ipads too um and you know there's a reason they're the number one tablet i'm going to run through some of the pros and cons of that you guys stop me at any point uh ask questions in the chat room at any point um stop
1: they're the number one tablet because they have the best marketing go
0: yeah, I'm not arguing with that. I just said there's a reason they have the, they're the best uh, tablet. Uh, I have an iPad. I have the original iPad, so my experience is two generations out. But uh, you know that's what we'll talk about. Uh, the pros and cons. Pros: It's got a huge app ecosystem. They they did it before uh, apps before apps were cool or something like that. Actually, they made apps cool. Uh, Palm had apps. BlackBerry had apps, but nobody seemed to care. It wasn't until the no iPhone ever
1: had a store. That's right we (laughs) invented
0: we invented programming here at apple
1: selling (laughs) stuff
0: uh so but anyway it has a huge ecosystem you can find accessories you know you can find a dock you can find anything you want you go to any store you go to walmart you go to to kroger you know you go to the grocery store they're going to have accessories for your ipad uh so that's a pro yeah um and there's one current model at a time. There's there's no differentiation between devices. Right now, you can still buy the iPad 2 and the iPad 3, but they're considering the current model is the iPad 3. 16 months from now or so, there'll be another current model, and everybody, all the hipsters will have to go out and get that one. But that's a pro in that you know what you have is the latest model.
3: And that's a pro because you know that what you get is going to work on it, and you don't have to check and see which version you're getting for. exactly Yeah. Um, you know there is something to be said for that model and it does fit a lot of things and especially you know talking about the apps that's
1: that is one of the the negatives still with the android uh platform is
0: we'll get there in a minute aaron i'm sorry you jump in the gun
1: yeah i didn't want to jump the gun. Yeah. I did.
0: that gun I'm didn't trying to do, do anything comparison. to you um and the the next pro is build quality they're very well constructed devices um, and it's a consistent experience. You're from iPad to iPad to iPad. It's very consistent because of that build quality. Yep. So those are my pros. My cons. They're spendy, but not as spendy as you might think. When you compare other comparable tablets with comparable specs, they they run about the same price, but they are pricey because yep. it's high quality. Because it's an a expensive uh, product. Um, it's very very tightly controlled. If you want to do anything other than what Apple wants you to do, you're out Forget of luck.
2: It. Yeah, forget all about it because you're not going to get to it.
0: Which, as we'll see as we go down the list, is true of a number of other tablets. But it's sort of doubly true with 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 uh, uh, Apple. They, you know, you can jailbreak your devices, but then the next update unjailbreaks them pretty pretty readily. Um, and then the biggest con for me, and and I'm 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 talking as a consumer, as a user of the device, and I don't want to hear from you zealots out there, uh, is there's no flash on it. And you people who say Flash is dead, shut up. Flash is not dead. Flash may be dying, but still 70-plus percent of the websites in the world run Flash. Yep. H- not quite dead, yet. HTML5 will be there, but it's not there yet. Stop pretending that it is. In yeah, it's HTML5 like saying the desktop is, is
3: dead, and there's still more desktops sold than laptops. Right. Or
0: yeah, and, and the, the, the Apple evangelist will tell you that. That's, I've heard it so many times, that exact phrase. Flash is dead. Yes, I understand Steve Jobs said that at a keynote once. That doesn't make it true. Flash is very much alive. And they'll say, well, Adobe has stopped producing Flash on the mobile. Uh, No, they've said they're not going to make any new versions of it. But the product is still out there and people are still using it. It will be for a couple, three, four years probably. So that's a big, in my everyday use of the iPad, that is the biggest downside my kids want to go to some uh, uh educational thing that they use at school uh to do their spelling test or whatever uh they can't do it on the iPad cuz it runs flash you can't do it it's right. it's in my opinion the biggest con um
1: and by yeah. con you mean were they <laughs> suckered people into buying them yes or? <laughs> that's
0: what i mean yes it's uh okay and so moving on to uh, android which a lot of people just say is a clone of i i the ios i disagree but let's let's not go there um they range from really, really cheap direct-from-China stuff to really high-end stuff like the Transformer Prime, which would be my selection. If somebody said, what Android tablet should I buy, Android Prime is where I'd put them. Uh, and when you compare prices there, they're pretty much lockstep with the iPad. I mean, real close, anyway.
2: Yeah, not. Cl- um, they're, they're not far enough apart to, to say that's a selling point.
0: Right. And that's because it costs a bunch to make a good tablet. Now you can buy, you know, your Kmart tablet for a hundred bucks, but you're getting a hundred dollar Kmart tablet. Let's, let's not be dishonest and say it's just as good. Just because it's running Android doesn't mean it's equivalent to an iPad.
2: No kidding.
3: And, you know, for some people, it might do all they want it to do. And for them, it's a good investment, but you can't, it's like, when I bought my netbook, I wanted to d- to do so much more than it did, and after I accepted the limitations of it, I really liked it. But when I first bought it, I was disappointed because it wasn't a laptop. Well, I didn't buy a laptop; I bought a netbook. So, um,
1: you learned just, a life lesson, Seth. Set your expectations lower; you'll never be disappointed.
0: That's right. <laughs> um. Okay. So the pros of that uh, they can be cheaper. Uh, it's more open from the start. Yep. Android is is designed to be open, and while there are some limitations of it that are built in, it's it's, it's way more open uh, than the than the iOS. Uh, and you know, one of the things there that makes that is side loading. You can put an app on there from anywhere; it doesn't have to come from uh, the Android store. There's a bunch of different Android stores, and you can load those, and you can just you know go to Bob's websites and stuff, and download his APK and load it. That not necessarily saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying you can. Yep. Uh, and I consider that openness to be a flash. Um, you can go to
1: elementop.com and, and download the
0: uh, the Opie app. That's right. Absolutely. Um, it runs flash. You can go to elementop.com and interact with the entire website. You can play our stuff because it runs flash. That's a big deal to me.
3: Yeah, you don't have to develop a desktop version and a mobile version. You can just have one version. Right.
0: You know, every every show I put online has a little play button that's driven by Flash. I didn't write that. It's a module I picked up from somewhere else. I don't want to have to go write an HTML5 version of that. Um, And if I did, it would have some limitations, like remembering where you were when you left off. HTML5 players, as I understand, don't do that. The Flash player does. You can come back, you know, two or three days later. Well, actually, as long as you haven't closed the page, which most, which I don't. I leave mean, my browser open all the time and pick up where you left off. So Flash is a big deal to me. Um, it does have a mobile browser in it, uh, in, in an Android tablet, but it can impersonate a desktop browser. Uh, as far as I know, Safari on the iPad doesn't have a desktop option. Somebody can can uh, correct me on, on that. But my version one doesn't have that option.
3: Does the um, desktop impersonation, does that work like on like Google Docs very well?
0: Uh, it, no, okay. it will show you the page. You just can't interact with it. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it, it's going to, that's why I kind of, kind of put in there works for the most part. Some things it works, some things it doesn't work, but at least it gives you the option.
1: Yeah, it does. It does pretty well. A lot of time. there's been some specific times that I've been on a mobile version of a, a page on my Android phone and just scrolled down to the very bottom and click desktop and got some additional functionality that I needed.
0: Right. Um. Okay, and the cons of it. Highly fragmented market. Oh, yeah. You never know what you're going to get between device to device. So you can, you can go grab 20 different tablets, and they're all going to have different processors and different uh, screen resolutions and different this and different that. But even within the Android, there are still, what, five active versions of Android out there. Different revisions, and and you never know what you're going to get. You never know if the tablet you have can run the next one coming out. Uh, so th- that fragmentation is a is a definitely a negative.
3: So Android is
0: like a box of chocolate. <laughs> yeah, Android is like Windows. You yeah, know, you can still go run Windows three point one for work groups if you wanted to. You know, it's still out there. Um, but you know, th- that's not necessarily a good thing. Uh, okay, so the next thing is uh, some of them are just crap. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, they they will sell you a slow processor with no RAM and a and a crappy resistive touchscreen. That's what the the India tablet for, which is, uh, less than a hundred bucks or fifty dollars or thirty dollars, I think it was that they're they're putting out there. It's a crap product in terms of specs. Now it may totally meet the needs of the Indian school child. I'm not saying it doesn't, but I'm saying compared to the uh, the Transformer Prime from ASUS. It's like comparing, you know, a Lexus and a Tonka. They're just <laughs> not even in the same league.
2: Right. But they would can have Can you go over
3: like the different touchscreens cuz I I never can keep them straight. I read it and then Two days later, I'm like, crap, which, which touch screen is this? Because Well, you know, the,
0: okay, the two basic categories are resistive and capacitive. Capacitive is a glass surface. It has to be glass um, that you change the capacitance of the screen by touching it with something uh, capacitive like a finger or a specially designed stylus. Uh, it won't work with just a regular plastic stylus because that's not capacitive. Uh, a resistive touch screen is where you press on it and make stuff happen. A capacitive touch screen requires almost no pressure, just presence. Uh, a resistive touch screen requires that you press on something like the old palms where you had the stylus need to tap on something and after a while there'd be a little indentation on the buttons you used often. Uh that's a resistive touch screen. Now they've come a long way. There are better resistive t- touch screens that that can be pretty good, but you're not going to get that really uh Fluid experience that a capacitive touchscreen gets you, but they're also heavier because they have to be made out of glass. Yep, did that answer your question, Seth? Yes, and uh, you
3: know, and like I say, for people who just say, Oh, it's touchscreen, and then why isn't my touchscreen working? This is something to keep in mind when you're looking for one. Is right. if you can't keep them straight, at least remember that there's more than one, and you know, just make a note to yourself. So,
0: yeah. Capacitive is definitely the way to go, in my opinion. Uh, Resistive can't do multi-touch. There's only one point at a time. Uh, uh, Capacitive can do as many touch points as they put in the software. I think the iPad's up to 10, and I think Android can handle 12. So, like, you can use all 10 of your fingers, your nose, and your tongue. Uh, I'm not sure, you know. Uh,
2: (laughs) (laughs) That would be one of those devices you keep to yourself if you're going to lick it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, there are other places I could have gone with that. That would have uh-huh. been even less. Uh, I appreciate uh-huh. it.
1: saving that for Your
0: table. restraint yeah. is admirable, sir. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, if it says multi-touch, it's capacitive. Look for that. If it doesn't say multi-touch and it's 100 bucks, it's going to be resistive.
1: It has the capacity for you to touch with more than one finger. So it doesn't resist that, Seth. So. <laughs>
0: there you go. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, you know, I might actually remember that. Uh, and then the the next con is, as we mentioned before, inconsistent versioning between the different uh, hardware sets. and and so you might you say, I've got a honeycomb tablet. It's Honeycomb is the version of of Windows uh, or version Android. of Android. It's running. But you may have a Snapdragon processor or a Qualcomm processor or or uh, I can't think of any others off the top of my head, but there are a bunch of them out there. Uh, and so you go to the Android market, and you, you pick a, an app, and I've got several devices registered because I've got a couple of tablets and that I've used for school and, and, uh, you know, one that I own personally and I've had several phones over the years. So they're all registered and I'll pick an app and it'll say, this is, this app is compatible with these devices on yep. your, your thing. And so you can either transfer it to there or you can't. That's a, that's a negative. You have to wonder, uh, if, uh, your, your app is going to work with your device. And that's a negative.
1: Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's the the windows market always has been with, uh, in some ways, you know, if you want to go buy metal, uh, you know, Medal of honor or call of duty for well, is it going to work with my video card? Do I have enough processor? Do I have enough Ram? And I think that's, yeah.
0: Yeah. And then the one of the things that I listed as something to consider, I also consider a con, and that's feature bloat. When people combine every available new feature into a device, it's going to be hot, it's going to have no battery life, it's going to be heavy, and it's going to be expensive. But, hey, you can brag that you have the best.
2: Yeah. Best is good. <laughs> Unless you want it's long battery life and no, nothing bursting best? into flames in your hand.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay, so moving right along, and I'm not putting this in the, the Android category, though some could argue that it should be, the Kindle Fire. And I sort of consider this a device all its own. Yeah, I would It too. does run Android, sort of. Uh, it's a it's a crippled version of Android, uh, but it can be ROMed. Um, and so these are uh, the pros and cons that I've come up with, and Chris actually has the device. I've never actually uh, used one, uh, so uh, I, I'm, you know, making this out of things that I've read. Uh, the pros are it's cheap. Uh, what is two hundred bucks?
2: Yep, two hundred dollars.
0: Yeah, that's cheap. Um, it's a good user experience. A- uh, Amazon knows how to d- design interface. It's a it's a slick, it's a smooth interface. What works works, and what doesn't work isn't there. Right. Do you agree with that? Right. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, it's got the uh, the really tight integration with, with Amazon. It's it's designed to be a consumption device, not only a consumption device, but a consumption from Amazon device. Yeah. The Kindle Flyer was designed to, to ease the barrier between your credit card and the Amazon store.
2: <laughs> I was just going to say that, Mark. Uh-huh. Yes, that is very much the point, um, especially when they have the automatic one-touch-you-buy-it thing turned on by default. Yeah. Um, that always scares me when I see it with little kids in their hands, but... Uh, You know, obviously, their parents know best better than me.
0: Yeah. Um, And then in the cons department um, is that the app store is is very limited on apps. Yep. Um, And you don't get the full Android app store. You can put it on there, but then you run into that thing that just because you have it doesn't mean it can run.
2: Yep. The other, Um, but it's on a pro though on the Amazon app store, you get the free app of. There's a free app of every day. So I've picked up a couple apps that were $15 apps but they're a freebie for the day and now I own that $15 app for nothing.
0: Right. Which you can do on any Android device as well. So uh uh the the Android market, I have that on my phone. So um uh, that's not exclusive to right. the the Fire. Um the cons but is
1: you can't do it on the iPad.
0: <laughs> exactly. Uh, the first thing I have listed in the cons category is it's just a reader. That's what it's designed to be. Um, it's not really designed to do anything else. Uh, so to expect it to do anything else is is pushing beyond its specs. You know, it's it's making a, a pickup truck into a lowrider. That's not what it was designed to do.
2: <laughs> right. Um, another, uh, but besides that, you know, it is built to be a consumption-only device. So it not only does it just be a reader, you can't store much on it the the space is very limited on how much you can store on it
3: yeah it's not a good device for people who live out in the country like me it's good in one sense because you don't have to go to the store you can bring the store to you but it's bad because you're not allowed to bring anything home you can only use it when you're at the store so um, <laughs> if you don't have if you don't have permanent access to high speed, and when I say high speed, I mean real high speed and not something that barely qualifies as broadband these days. Um, you're going to limit the functionality of pretty much any of these devices we're talking about. True. Absolutely
0: yep. true. But I would, I would agree more so on things like the Fire and, and some of the things we'll talk back uh, about in a minute um, is that because they're limited on storage, they're designed to be cloud aware. Yep. Uh, the iPad, less so. You can do stuff on the iPad. An Android tablet, you can do stuff locally on the tablet. Uh, the, the Fire, there's not a lot you can do locally. It's not designed for that. Quick,
1: uh, quick side note. This is my first podcast at the new house, as we mentioned at the beginning, and my first podcast on Comcast. I was on uh Uverse before. A Little side note, I did a little quick speed test right before the show started. I got 22.5 down and 3.75 up.
2: Nice. You suck
1: for 19.95 a month. The you year. suck. The whole you lot. suck by the way.
0: And then <laughs> 750 a month after the first 6 months, right? You no,
1: know, then it goes up to $43 a month, yeah, which, which is actually still cheaper than what I was paying with U- Uverse.
0: Right. He's still um, okay, so the the next one, uh, I think I've already kind of said this, this is very locked down. There are some ROMs available. You can turn an Android, uh, a Kindle Fire into a full honeycomb tablet. Then you realize why uh, Amazon decided to take so much stuff out of it. Yep. Because it just doesn't do it. And That's what I said earlier. The stuff it does well is in there. The stuff it can't do just isn't in there. And so when people try to make it into a full-on experience, it's not a good experience. And there's a reason for that. Yep.
2: Very much so. Um, it's a very low processor. The the things, I mean, it's it's fast enough to stream movies from Amazon, but that's, I, I'm, it really doesn't do much more than that. And the battery life, if you're watching or listening to movies or music, is horrible. Um, so make sure you have your power outlet with you because you're going to need it. But if you're just reading books, it lasts forever. I mean, it, it'll last two, three days with easily with just doing books.
0: All right. And uh, the last thing I have in there is something that the chat room's already mentioned before we got there, is the, the browser setup is weird. Oh, yeah. Um, it it proxies through their own stuff, and it's just it's kind of a weird browsing experience all the way around. But again, it's not designed to be a general web browser. It's designed to be an Amazon.com web browser, and it does that really well.
2: I will say though that the Silk browser is really fast because of the, the caching through Amazon. Uh, it's Faster than I've ever, because um, I'm talking about for my broadband here in the house, um, I can load a page up in the on the fire going to the exact same website on my laptop, and the fire will beat me to it, even though it has a lower right. spec. But that's because it's going through the Amazon cache, and it's you know really fast.
0: Yeah, what's happening is Amazon is browsing that web page for you and sending a JPEG of it down to you. That's pretty much how that works. Yep. Which is cool, but weird at the same time.
2: <laughs> Which is nice for if you're just trying to pull up something quick on the when you're sitting on the couch and you don't want to go to your laptop.
0: And then the next th- device I have in the list is the 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 Barnes and Noble Nook Color, and I'm calling that a smart reader. <laughs> it's a reader, but it can do a little more. It can run apps. Um, and again, there are some ROMs out there that will run. It runs. It does run a stripped down version of Android, and it can run full on Android. But it's it's weak. It's barely will will do it. It will do it, but it just barely does it.
1: Yeah, I actually have a, a one of my really good friends has a Nook Color, and he loves it. And it's ROMed. His is his is uh, ROMed, and he said since he's gotten it and ROMed it, he, he pretty much does not touch his laptop at home. You know he he's mostly using it for browsing the web, sending a he- an email here or there. But as far as that, just sitting, you know, with your I know I do this. I'm, I'm probably the only person in the entire world who's ever done this sitting at your, in your recliner with your laptop while you're watching TV or a movie with your wife. And you're just kind of surfing the web a little bit, you know, that's a good stories.
3: idea. I may
0: have to try that sometime. Yeah. I never thought of that. Wow. You there could you go. like go
3: on to the internet movie database and see what else the actor has been on before.
0: Cool. Concept. That's a
1: great idea, Seth. I'll do that. Yeah. And So he, he, pretty much uses this exclusively for that kind of casual consumption sitting on the couch type thing. So apparently the performance is good enough for that. And he's pretty, uh, he's a stickler for, you know, he's had an underpowered Android phone before and I heard about it.
0: (laughs) Uh, I think as long as you set your expectations properly, when you buy a a, a Nook or a, a Fire and start changing it. You're forcing it yeah. to do things it was never made to do. And long, long as long as you accept that. Had. Right.
1: Yeah. Now, if you want to see something fancy, I could go grab my wife's Nook.
0: The no original color Nook? afterward,
1: yeah. and bring the browser up on that. And show the
0: it to e-ink you, browser? Which, it's awesome. You know, <laughs> I, feel I, like I'm back I
1: had a Nook programming my TRS-80 Model 1 you know, <laughs> yeah. with the pixels flying across the screen.
3: What were you going to say, Seth? I was going to say, I actually had a Nook. Not the color, but just the Nook. And you know, I did not find the experience enjoyable of even just trying to, to read on it. I prefer paper um, as opposed to that. But, you know, I mean, I checked out the browser, and it was okay for what it did. But, you know, yeah. it wasn't its strong point. And the games were awful um, yeah. trying to use that little touch She plays Sudoku on it when she's waiting in line to pick my son up.
1: Yeah. But that's about it. I Actually, I'll, I've read several books on it. Um, it was her Mother's Day present last year. And I, I kind of enjoyed the e-ink. It's, I and this is a whole side discussion, but the e-ink technology to me is is really cool. And like, uh I don't know if it's radio, R-E-T-E-A. Re, the guy in the chat room said um it'll last for a long, I mean, it's like charge it once a month because right. of the way that, that technology is. Because really, the it's really
0: the, cool. the only time you use batteries is when you're turning a page.
1: Yep, exactly. And the, the way the, the newest, the Nook that we have has, it has the e-ink panel at the top that actually has a little color you know, regular capacitive screen at the bottom. Yeah, that's the way mine was. It, maybe. And uh, you can, you know, scroll across, you can tap things and you actually have to do all your input there, which is really funky With an and it has up and down arrows on the side because you can't actually touch the screen even though you want to so bad. <laughs> it shows you your library like, I, I just want to touch that. No, you down arrow and then you click the button at the bottom. <laughs>
0: There are some, there's some work being done. There are some work, there is some work being done. There be on, some work. On, uh, on capacitive e-ink screens, uh, which I think will be interesting. Uh, and there's some of the new color e-ink will have a pretty high resolution. I mean, they're, they're looking at like, uh, 16,000 colors, which, you know, is pretty good. It's not the yeah. millions and millions and millions of colors. It's not the a retina display, but you know, it's, it's getting there. It's, uh, uh, the, in case you don't know an e-ink, um, interface the way it works is like an etch-a-sketch exactly. I mean, literally just like an etch-a-sketch <laughs> there's there's little styrofoam balls in there I don't know if they're styrofoam but there's little balls in there that are black on one side and white on the other and you send a, a current through it and flip them either black or white and they stay there forever that's it's all that fellow. needs to be done uh, yeah, it's a fellow. Uh, and so then you turn the page and it sends another current through there and flips them black or white and that's all the energy that's ever used yeah, the um, cool
1: thing was when I when we got it out of the package, I actually got it out of the package and had a couple of books loaded on it and stuff for her. So I, I pulled it out of the package and it had this beautiful display of the Taj Mahal on the front of it. And I thought it was a peel-off cover. Yeah. And I booted it up and it went away. And I was like, that had sat in the box like that for right. no telling how long. But the important
0: so, thing to remember is don't pick it up and shake it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that, by the way, the the guy, I, I said the guy in the chat room, it's, it's Retio is how you pronounce his name. So Retio was the one who was, uh, also bragging on how long the e, e ink lasts,
2: right?
0: Yeah, and he talks about the, uh, the 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 way it works is it it does a negative of the page and then a positive of it. So everything that's black is first white and then black, and it it, it forces all the dots to change once, uh, which makes the page turn a little weird. Uh, if you're if you're in the process of reading and you're in the middle of a sentence and you need to turn the page, it's like hit the button, blink, blink, blink. Okay, and there's the next of it, and that that can really take a little while to get used to.
1: Yeah, it kind of, you you get a rhythm of it though, you know, just like when you're reading a book, you you actually start turning the page before you're finished. Right. You kind of learn the speed that it'll turn for you. You know, you learn when to hit the button. And you learn that if you drop it on the floor because you fall asleep while you're reading, that it bounces.
0: Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the next thing in the list is the uh, RIM playbook. (laughs) Just kidding. Are we going to talk about the uh, HP? tablet (laughs) no i i put that behind the rim plate no i'm just kidding we're not going to spend any time talking about that device sorry rim uh yeah and the hp i don't even remember what that was called now that they sold they had a fire sale for 99 bucks and then they saw that people liked them and they put it back at 400 bucks again which is great Um, yeah and then windows 8 tablets not on the market yet don't hold your breath i would say about any tablet don't wait for the next one ever. Right. Because you're just going to always be waiting. Uh find the one that does what you like that has the good mix of openness and battery and and whatever. Uh I said about being that. the
1: right girl too. That's right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell Cheryl you said that.
1: That's uh, I, as soon as I saw her. I was like I'm marrying that
3: girl.
0: That's the one. I'm not waiting for the next one. Nope. And you know there is also
3: a Linux tablet not like a um it's not like Android or anything like that but Right. I think it's called Vivaldi now. It was originally called Spark. And I've thought about getting that one just kind of to support the Linux and its fight against the
0: man. Well, the uh, the Ubuntu tablet is due out 2013. So if you want to wait a whole year, you could check out the Ubuntu tablet. (laughs) Please
3: reference Mark's earlier comment and not wait. Well, well, no, but the Vivaldi tablet is already out there. So it's not Um, like you're not waiting. It's, you know, you, you could actually get it now.
0: So, so nah, Seth, nah, nah, nah. the device I think you should get, based on your actual parameters, are the uh, Samsung Galaxy Player. Yep. Yes,
3: but the 4 or the 5, because apparently they're different <laughs> OSs.
2: <laughs> Never hurts to go new. I would say the 5. Yeah. But uh, isn't
0: that more screen size, though, than, uh, point uh, two.
2: than the actual
0: yeah. number? If you have just more money than common sense, get the Galaxy Note. That'll be your phone and your tablet. It'll be your phablet, and you can <laughs> write on it, and that's cool. Yeah, With but a giant, giant don't, size
3: finger stylus. I don't pay for a smartphone, so uh, I have a dumb phone, and uh, I like it that way. So
1: <laughs> I have a dumb. Never want phone your technology like to be smarter than you are.
3: <laughs> yeah, see, okay, my so, problem it doesn't take
0: much. So, <laughs> well, that's our our look at the Android. The whole tablet thing. So uh, we didn't cover everything, and I didn't say we were going to. But I hope we gave you a good uh, basis for what to choose. And, and again, if you ask me, the tablet I have chosen is the uh, the Asus Transformer uh, tablet. I don't have the Prime because I, I bought the previous version. But if I were buying one right now, the Asus Transformer Prime with keyboard is what I'd buy. And with keyboard, it's roughly the same price as an iPad without the keyboard. Yeah. And that thing, uh, it's a t- it's a, de- a laptop replacement more or less, plus a tablet when you need it. So that's the thing that I would recommend. It's about six hundred bucks if if that's what you're going to do. Uh, otherwise, you know, the Fire might be for you. The Nook might be for you. It all depends on what you want to do.
2: Yeah, I would say when if you're going if you're debating on which tablet to go with, um, think about what stores you're already a part of. If you're already in the iTunes Store, you might as well stay in the iTunes Store. If you're already an Amazon player, you might as well stay in the Amazon and go with the fire. Um, that's how I feel because then you're going to be used to the interface, the store itself, because you're going to spend most of your time looking for stuff in the store anyway. So play atten- figure out where you're going to go and then move from there.
0: All right. There you go. That's
1: what I did this weekend.
0: Yeah, you figured out where he was going to go and then he moved. Uh, okay, any command line tips this week, Chris?
2: Well, I guess do we wanna touch into the how to recover from an x crash, or do we wanna just put that into a next show?
0: Can you do it in ninety seconds? No. <laughs> Then we don't have a command line tip this week. Seth, do we have an end user tip of the week?
3: Uh, Yes, we actually have a two for one end user tip of the week. The first one is if you want to impress people like the command line godfather, you can check out the website howtoforge.com. And you can learn how to do any geeky thing, such as build a mail server, uh, put a LAMP server on. And it is, like, specific for what distribution and what version of distribution you want to. So um, if you want to build a uh, kind of a web server and you want to use Ubuntu and a specific version of Ubuntu, you can go there and find an article that will tell you step-by-step how to do it. Um, I have used it many times in the past when I've wanted to build... Linux boxes for a specific task. And I didn't just want to go find one ready made, but I actually wanted to. It tells you how to get to the command line. It tells you the commands to type. And then, you know, once I, once I see how and where to do it, that's when I go in and play and say, well, I wonder what happens if I do that. Oh, that breaks it. I have to start over. So, uh, (laughs) you know, which is, uh, I have done many a time, but it is a great. It's a great way to uh, learn how to do a technical thing, and it is written to a lot of them are written to non technical people. So,
2: yes, cool.
3: Right. Yeah, it, it, this is a it's a well-respected site, so you know it, it's not like um, it's not like uh, Billy Bob's Garage of Linux tweaks. It's a uh, it's a respected site used by professionals in the industry. Um, the other one I have is um, you know we were talking a little bit about tablets, and if you wanted to give something to your child and not have them rack up seventy-five dollars worth of in-store purchases, um, you can go with the Arcos Child Pad um it is designed for kids it has a an app type store and platforms and it's designed for kids so kid friendly games and education devices it's a 7 inch tablet and um you know it's cool that you can give your kids your ipad and they can play with it and then till you get your bill and see that they bought you know tons of stuff in the iTunes store this way, yes. <laughs> yeah, I, what made me think about this, Mark, was I i saw the post you had made where uh, one of your daughters had done that. So, uh, anyway, this is just a way, it's, it's designed, you know, it's designed for kids, so it doesn't, it, it looks kind of like a toy, um, but, you know, and it has, like, it's all child-appropriate stuff. So, the Arcos
0: child pad. All right. You, two for one cool all right guys any final thoughts before we wrap up this show all right no. so i will simply say on behalf of my good friends the command line godfather the gooey kid the noob in residence i had to remember what it was this is Mark Bacon Cockrell, as I've been called in the chat, in the in the forums, uh, signing off and saying that ends this episode of Everyday Linux.
3: And if you're an Uber geek, fifty is L in
0: Roman numerals. Thank you. You're welcome.